0: And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, March 13th. Today, Monday. What is that?
1: And really, what matters here is the clip.
0: Anyone, that was weird. Good morning, everybody. It's March 13th, and today is National Coconut Torty Day. National Napping Day for all of our siesta-loving friends that are out there at Spanibus. National Earmuff Day, because no one wants to hear a lot of people's BS. And also National Good Samaritan Day, because everyone should try to be better. It's National Jewel Day and National Canine Veterans Day, as well as National Open an Umbrella Indoors Day, which I am definitely not going to do. But thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top right-hand corner of your screen. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we're going to kick it off today with the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico meat When he is not out in the streets house hunting, you can find him gang banging with the internet cartel at his own crib right now, and that's why he's having to have to move. That's right, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Lemite. You're muted, Rico.
2: I was muted because they're trying to censor me over here. <laughs> no, we're good. All right, so so my story today is coming from marijuana moment, and it is congressional bill punishing illegal marijuana grows aims to protect consumers from pesticides. Sponsors say so. Nothing brings Republicans and Democrats together like an opportunity to lay down a little prohibitionist law and order. In an effort to fool the American people into believing they actually work while they're on the clock, a bipartisan duo of California congressional lawmakers have filed, uh, refiled a bill to combat illicit cannabis grows on federal lands. A move they say is intended to protect consumer health, uh, consumers' health from banned pesticides used in unregulated cultivation. Democratic Representative Scott Peters reached around the aisle Friday to partner up and do a little tag team action with Doug LaMalfa, a man better known for posting prohibitionist thirst trap videos on Facebook rather than doing a productive or having a productive voting record. Uh, he got together to announce uh, the aim of their bar bipartisan targeting and offsetting, offsetting, offsetting existing illegal contaminants or the toxic Act is a consumer safety and environmental protection. In a statement, Peters said, No buyer should be unknowingly consuming marijuana contaminated by dangerous banned pesticides. That's why Congressman Lamalfa and I introduced the Toxic Act to go after these illegal cartel linked grow operations on federal lands. The effects go well beyond the end user, endangering multiple species and and posing a threat to the forest service agents who are tasked with cleaning up these lands for the article a rare shared point of concern for industry advocates stakeholders and regulators is the broader concern about the environmental damage associated with illicit growth where banned pesticides are sometimes used and can damage the ecosystem by polluting water and soil and poisoning wildfire wildlife Uh, but while advocates argue the carrot approach of creating regulated markets for adults and, uh, and patients with products subject to testing and other compliance policies as the solution, Peters and LaMalfa both prefer the stick. You guys might remember a throwback to LaMalfa back in July 2021, where he had the video of him and some um, Forest Service uh, a members just bulldozing a bunch of illegal grows, and him saying that nothing smells better in the morning like the... the As a diesel fuel exhaust. Lamalpha took a break from Bob the Builder cosplay last week to uh, tout the revisited legislation's consumer protection goals, saying it's meant to prevent exposure to banned pesticides, endangering residents who inadvertently consume them. The act's first round of voting turned out to be a bit too toxic for uh, to advance last session, but the duo's optimistic. The revamped two-tiered version will fare better. Will fare better. Excuse me. I'm, chill, I'm dying today. Uh, the bill will provide up to 250 million in funding for the U.S. Forest Service over five years uh, to remediate areas where they say banned pesticides were used for illegal cannabis cultivation, and also increase criminal penalties for people who have used these prohibited chemicals, charging offenders as they would smugglers with maximum penalties of up to $250,000 in fines and up to 20 years in prison. Historical data tied to ratcheting up these penalties has shown to do pretty much nothing as far as slowing down illegal drug trade activity in America. And a quick glance back at the 80s and 90s will show it'll, what it will do is deepen the pockets of more dangerous operators willing to corner a higher-risk game market and separate families of loved ones for decades caught in the middle with not many life choices available beyond participating in low level positions to put food on their own tables. Sounds to me like a thinly veiled attempt to waste a quarter billion dollars of our hard earned tax money on a war on drugs part two, rebranded. Nothing like a little toxic bipartisanship to whitewash the sins of yesterday, right? I'm Rico to meet the dopest dad on the street, and I'd like to hear from you guys on this. What do you think about this, Jason? Bipartisanship uh, crackdown on illegal growers.
0: I mean, these illegal growers are grow sh- growing on our national forests and and siphoning off a lot of state. our water and whatnot. So, so, so more power to them.
2: More power to the uh, the right, the, but twenty, 20 years. What's
3: that? What's that? Twenty What's years that penalty, penalty, really? I mean, I'm I mean, just saying. Twenty years penalty for growing.
0: Well, the, the, I mean, Todd, but the penalty you is know. supposed to make people deter them from trying to do this. And so, so I, ha, I don't have a problem with with saying that the maximum penalty is twenty years, because you're going to have a number wow. of repeat offenders over and over again, and maybe some of them need do need twenty years.
4: Well, for the most part, people getting sentenced to twenty years are just getting bumped back to Mexico, also, because it's mostly cartel growers in the in the forests that part too yeah. and it's, it's a complex issue because i support anybody that there there is actually a real like if you ever lived in mendo or spent time in mendo humboldt there's a real problem with them putting these forever chemicals all over and they go right into the watershed they're decimating salmon populations they're decimating trout populations decimating deer populations up there and you know for me like i moved out of la to it was stupid but i moved out of la to go up to mendo and live little house on the prairie and and go hiking and explore nature and once you get up there, you realize you can't get anywhere off the road because everywhere there's growers protecting their shit with machine guns.
2: Mm-hmm. But at the
4: same time, we just need to federally legalize drugs, take the money out of the hands of the drug cartels and rewrite this whole thing. Right. I think.
2: Yeah, 20 years is, is, is very excessive. I don't know. And- I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily excessive if you're growing on federal land.
0: Because you're, you're obviously trying to skirt the system by not paying any rent, not paying any bills, stealing water, X, Y, and Z. And so therefore, you have pretty much zero overhead for your employees and the infrastructure that you bring to set up your grow. So I don't really see a problem with the 20 years.
1: But, okay, um, so this is a stupid thing. So if I'm an organic grower on federal land, I can get around this law because this is just about pesticides, using pesticides on federal land.
4: No, also clear-cutting and all kinds of other practices. People should no, be growing am federal about, land. No, no,
1: no, 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 I'm talking okay. about this specific piece of legislation. Oh, okay. It's just about it's pesticides. That's the only where this 20-year ban would come into effect. You know, I don't like this whole stupid thing, frankly. Yeah, um, it's just,
2: it's, 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 I, I it's get where the they're trying to go time. with their
1: messaging side to try and get the right on board, but these guys are just closet environmentalists and don't want to come out and say that they believe in global warming. That's Doug LaMolfa's in the global warming closet. That's what's going on
4: here. I, don't know. You guys, if, I think if we, if we, if we kill you. all the salmon <laughs> and the trout, we're going to have a lot less food to eat, you guys. I think one of the things yeah, you I probably know. have to remember is you cannot eat factories. You can't eat stocks and bonds. Like You have to eat food, and you can't breathe money or gold. You have to breathe oxygen. So us environmentalists trying to keep the life support systems of our planet going actually makes some logical sense if you start to think. That you need to i have no
1: problem with environmentalist it. matthew saint germain i'm saying these crazy guys i don't just their messaging and what they're trying to propose here when that's what bullshit. they really should be pushing is for legalization so yeah. you know they can put labeling standards on everything for if you really want to can protect consumers from pesticides that's where you need regulations so but oh we're just gonna go after the cartels in the federal lands for their pesticide use. I, what I don't know what the hell this is about. This is just the <laughs> dumbest thing possible. And I think that is why this did not advance anywhere, because it's stupid.
0: I mean it's just about protecting our national forest. And I think everybody oh, protect- ah. what?
4: I think most people really don't have an idea of the scale. Like unless you've ever been out to the Emerald Triangle totally and, true, and and gotten in a plane and flown around and seen what they've done. Like you have no clue what's going on. Like there's literally mass clear cutting Stream erosion, the destruction of again the salmon and the trout stocks, which we need for food. So, what I would say is like like do some googling and take take a look at some satellite pictures and read into what's going on on the west coast. Again, I think legalization is the proper way to handle this. But also, anybody who's dumping diesel fuel and pesticides in the national land where they're growing their weed or not should should definitely be prosecuted. See what I'm saying? I think, but yeah, I'm a hippie I like man.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that, Matthew.
3: What do you mean Look at you what that, I'm you guys! Build building
4: bridges
0: uh, right oh, there. Okay.
1: Beck, King of the flip flop. <laughs>
0: and, 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 and I am not an environmentalist at the, in, in the slightest. I do not believe <laughs> in global warming or any of that shit. Okay, in the well, 80s i I'm gonna call old. you White
2: Gucci. White Gucci flip flop from now on, bro. No, no, no. In, in, <laughs> white
0: Gucci eighties, I mean, I mean, white, white Gucci. When he's in Florida, he does wear flip flops sometimes.
2: Ooh, uh, slides I But that's when they call me Gucci Blanco. Ooh, I like it, man. Anybody else want to comment on it? I think it's it's bullshit. I don't think it's going to pass. I don't think it's going to pass in the second round either. It's not going anywhere. uh, Yeah, just veiling it behind. Oh, yeah, we're going to save save the environment. It's just bullshit. Shout out to Johnny Smash
0: here on the West Coast. We champion the flip-flop. That's right. Let's go to a quick commercial, and we'll be right back.
2: No socks.
5: How's it going, guys? Saman Razani, coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
2: All right. He is known to many for smoking the best weed in the world while openly supporting some of the worst politicians in the country. But hey, <laughs> it's, it's all Pat green at the most end most of the day. Up the next, <laughs> you know who it is. is—is Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning,
0: Rico. And I don't know if you guys remember last week, but uh, we, we covered this uh, SQ820, this vote out of Oklahoma. And I mentioned to you guys that if it didn't pass, that there was going to be some steeper regulations coming in. Today, my story has to do, turns out my predictions are right, because my story alludes to exactly that, because officials say SQ820 vote was a mandate for tougher regulation on medical marijuana in Oklahoma. That's right. In the lead up to the uh, recreational marijuana vote, One of Mike Dabrowski's biggest worries was that it would pass by a narrow margin. But when Oklahoma voters overwhelmingly rejected State Question 820 on Tuesday, the state representatives breathed a sigh of relief. The morning after, he described a similar mood among his colleagues inside the Capitol. In their eyes, there was no equivocation. In a quote, they say, I certainly feel like it was a vote affirming the changes that we have made and expecting us to continue to limit what we have now, said Dabrowski, Republican from Kingfisher. And he also says, it definitely was a mandate against any expansion. The state question failed in every one of Oklahoma's 77 counties statewide. Over 61% of voters said no. And in a quote, many of us feared that the passage of SQ820 would create a whole new obstacle for regulators and our law enforcement who are already overextended with the challenges created by the medical industry and the illicit market, Dabrowski said. I like his last name, Dabrowski. Uh, For the most part, lawmakers wanted to wait until the March 7th vote to make any significant changes to Oklahoma's marijuana laws. However, several bills have quietly made their way through the legislative process and are still able to become law. Some of those bills would put limits on THC potency, require a qualifying medical condition for medical marijuana patients under 18, and allow cities to ad- adopt zoning restrictions on cannabis businesses, close loopholes to prevent illegal, uh, Ill- illegal land ownership, and require doctors who recommend medical marijuana to complete specific training. Oklahoma is a better place for this state. State question failing, said State Senator Jessica Garvin, Republican from Duncan. I think the overwhelming results are also a clear sign that Oklahomans are not happy with the current medical marijuana program and want it to be reformed. That is why this session I have introduced a number of bills that will close loopholes in illegality activity, further protect children and make the program a true medical marijuana program, not recreational marijuana light. Which it is now, she says. Even Governor Kevin Stitt echoed the same sentiment in a press conference on Friday. The governor said Oklahomans are experiencing fatigue with the medical marijuana industry. The "Quote: I don't think anybody expected it to be defeated that bad, but as I was traveling the state, I knew Oklahomans didn't want it," Stitt said. They were so tired of a dispensary on every single corner. So clearly. We don't want a recreational, and I think there's an appetite to tighten up the medical side as well. The governor said Oklahomans have a big heart and that if marijuana helps medically patients, then they should be able to participate in the program. But we don't believe that anybody with a hangnail should be able to get a medical marijuana card, Stitt said. A prominent advocate of the medical marijuana industry, however, says, uh, that the state officials are misreading voters intentions in a quote it's the program that we have that people are happy with <clears throat> they don't want to change it said jed green director of oklahoma's for responsible cannabis action in a quote if the governor and legislature uh, goes in and makes the mistakes with this misread and they push for limiting conditions or restricting telemedicine and taking access away, the knee-jerk reaction is going to be another adult-use bill, he says. Green criticized the regulation and the tax structure in SQ820, saying that with a better proposal, there are enough votes in Oklahoma to adopt a recreational marijuana bill. And the best thing they can do is just to let this uh, let this thing settle down Let enforcement agencies catch up and let this thing stabilize, he said. If they go in and if they look to limit individual access, that will be the the trigger that will pass adult use in the state because then everyone has something to lose.
2: Other legislation
0: that could advance in the next few weeks would permanently prohibit a business from acquiring a medical marijuana license if they intentionally don't pay the state. House Bill 2095 also includes a provision that would ban cannabis growers from knowingly hiring undocumented immigrants and limit the number of state licensed grow operations to 1,000 at any one time. As of February 8th, more than 7,000 grower license had been approved by the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, although it's unclear whether the state has that many active farms when it became clear that SQA 20 would fail late tuesday the campaign's leadership told supporters at a rally it was now up to the governor and lawmakers to preserve and strengthen the medical marijuana program campaign director michelle tilly also called on state officials to continue the state's criminal justice reform efforts to make sure people aren't sent to jail for minor infractions of the marijuana law currently someone found in possession of a small amount of marijuana without a medical license can still face up to a year in jail and a $1000 fine or a similar fine without jail time if they can simply state a medical reason for having it if the state question had passed individuals already in the justice system for marijuana possession could have requested to have their sentences expunged and in a quote it is in your hands and we challenge you to do it and and we are here in good faith to work with you to make those changes happen till he said well i'll tell you what it's just going to go down in oklahoma And I'm going to sit here with my popcorn and watch it all develop. And this
2: is Jason Beck reporting for the
0: high at nine news. What do y'all think about this?
2: Man, they all kick the coverage, bro. (laughs) You know, I think Oklahoma
4: voters voted no to recreational to prevent this from happening. And it's kind of funny that the lawmakers then just are going to end around them and do exactly what everybody was trying to stay away from.
5: Yeah. I'm getting real tired of hearing these lawmakers put, keep the children safer and and then shit like like and cap thc levels in the same sentence like all you're gonna do is push more people to the illicit market i almost feel like oklahoma gave them everything at once to try to try to make this happen i mean like you know set set this up like the people that didn't want it really don't want it now just because it's like it's so wild west and like they said dispensaries are everywhere and I don't know. Oklahoma, I think, stepped in too far to get to, to start off as a, as, a, as, a, as a way to try to dial it back now.
2: is just another one of those, you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. And um, the politicians are going to go in the direction that they had already planned, regardless. So regardless, if you guys win yeah, whatever referendum or not, they're going to do what they want to do. Burn it down. Yes, exactly. Right, Gretchen? Burn it all down. I know you love
1: to burn everything down, but I think we should be taking a step back and looking at what Oklahoma voters wanted. I mean, they aren't happy with it, so they need to do a better job regulating. And frankly, there's nothing wrong with a medical market. I know we all think it's the devil, but this is where all states start. Let's come up with better policy. Oh, you? you, Oh, are you going to embrace Jason back? I love the medical.
0: I'm I'm a medical patient. Look, I even have my recommendation.
1: But do you want to be in, in in a in a market where that's all it is? You, want to be in-
2: <laughs> you carry that with you just in case. You yeah, got your, paper, yeah. you your papers on you. Friday. <laughs> long is that long form? That was is long, the long form,
0: form. I was about to say. <laughs> that's good lord,
2: friend, baby. Long-term weed certificate.
0: Yeah, uh, I- good for another year. Oh
2: my God! No, I don't think anybody think is is against the the medical market uh, per se, but um, the rec or the adult use market is the opportunity to actually make money. And if you're selling people a dream that they're going to be able to operate as a business, then give them the opportunity to actually put their businesses together. Don't just give well, us. Well, I
1: guess I just don't agree that job. everything should be selling a dream. I think medicine should come first.
2: I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody's arguing against that.
1: Well, you just said you want to sell a dream. You want to make no, money.
2: You're telling people with the adult use that they have the opportunity to actually participate and to actually make money off of this, and uh, and, and turn a well, profit. You, and, then, and you do, you don't make it feasible for them to do that. The taxes are too damn high. Uh, um, yeah, the taxes are too damn high. regulations is all fucked up, and, and nobody's really making money. If 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 you're going to make it a medical market in the the first place, just do that. You're wasting people's time. (laughs) I mean, you got
0: any any thoughts on this, Todd? Are you with us, Todd? Do you have an internet stroke going on over here? Are you frozen? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, frozen. I, enjoy, I enjoy a good internet stroke myself you know yeah, I know. yeah I, you hey, know
3: it. i'm a medical patient also although my um yeah can you hear me okay yep can you hear yep we hear you <laughs> can you hear me you can't hear me yeah no we, we, we hear you perfect we hear you perfect. okay perfect. good 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 yeah i'm also a, a medical patient here in nevada and what that has really turned into was really like a Costco card because you pay less taxes and you get to the front of the line. Right. And uh, that's what happens really in a, when recreational or adult use um, you know, gets passed um, you know, sometimes the patients are overlooked, but um, you know, I, if they want to keep it medical, you know, then keep it medical, but uh, you have to open up, you know, what diseases or what, uh, uh, you know, what symptoms, you know, uh, are able to be, u- you know, use marijuana uh, because it does so much. It's kind of a panacea, but, um, you know, look, there's uh, 12,000 Oklahoma licenses. Do you think that's going to all patients?
0: That's uh, hard to believe. I think in the article it stated that there was 7,000 cultivation licenses in Oklahoma, and they want to get it down to 1,000.
3: Yeah, they'll do right, that. right, and though. another five thousand. Ah, yep. I got. Yeah, it. That, that means. Well, got- it, it seems more reasonable, but it, I bet those seven thousand though are people growing at home. You know, a lot of patient uh, licenses no, to grow. Stop
0: it! Stop um, you know, it! Another- those
3: are nothing but trappers trying to keep yeah. the trap alive.
2: You, you know, you know, you know how they're going to get that number down, Jason.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Enforcement. The sheriff's already coming, coming after people. Yeah, because it's all going to be about <laughs> law and order.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I thought you were gonna play the bad boy song for a minute. Oh, the- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you oh, that one, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, we got to keep it moving. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, that's right. Coming up next. That's right. It's our favorite little redhead herself. That's right, Gretchen Gailey. Who is gonna be cooking up coconut? turnovers today because it's National Coconut Whatever the Hell Day today. That's right. (laughs) And she's probably going to be dressing up her dogs in some corny outfit, too, just because she believes in animal cruelty. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey.
1: All right. Number one. Stop calling me little. (laughs) I don't appreciate it. I am not a child.
2: It's women's history month, Jason. Come on, man. F you.
1: I'm a woman... 365 days a year recognize it
0: Still little gretchen
1: Uh, you you know what little jason why don't we talk about little jason for a little bit Uh, probably taller than you are anyway
2: my headline
1: is from marijuana moment more than a dozen congressional lawmakers demand transparency in marijuana scheduling review by biden more than a dozen bipartisan congressional lawmakers sent a letter to top biden administration officials on thursday demanding transparency in the ongoing marijuana scheduling review that the president directed last year. Representative Earl Blumenauer recently circulated a draft of the letter among colleagues seeking signatories before sending the final version to U.S. Attorney General and Health and Human Services Secretary. The letter states that Biden's scheduling directive represents an opportunity to make honest assessment of the origins and implications of federal policy, adding that marijuana was scheduled based on stigma, not science. And it's time to address marijuana's existing reality as a state-regulated substance. The administrative review of marijuana scheduling should place the burden of evidence on maintaining marijuana status as a scheduled substance. To correct the failed war on drugs and cannabis prohibition, the assumption must be that unless evidence undeniably indicates that marijuana is more prone to drug abuse than unscheduled substances already regulated at the state level, marijuana should be fully descheduled from the Controlled Substances Act. Lawmakers added that the administrative descheduling would not negate Congress's obligation to act on comprehensive federal cannabis reform and that there are a variety of thoughtful legislative reform proposals that have been introduced in past sessions. Each of these proposals works to respect the leadership states. The leadership states have demonstrated for 50 years in rethinking the failed and discriminatory war on drugs approach to marijuana. Given the scope of the federal government's failure on marijuana, the administration must also take meaningful action to deschedule marijuana and partner with Congress and the states in the work ahead. To ensure accountability in your conclusions, which has been absent in so much of the history of federal marijuana regulation, transparency is key. We urge you to make available for public review and comment any evidence cited to demonstrate marijuana is more prone to drug abuse than descheduled substances already regulated at the state level with the severe federal restrictions on cannabis research due to marijuana scheduling. It's important that your departments review the full scope of research available. It's time to set the federal government on a better path for marijuana policy and engage transparently with the evidence. The letter also was sent to the FDA commissioner and had 16 signatories. Uh, Besides Congressional Cannabis Caucus co-chair Blumenauer, there were Representatives Barbara Lee, Lou Correa, Dina Titus, Nancy Mace, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Mark Poken. Jim McGovern, yeah. Bonnie Watson Coleman, Jared Huffman, Jan Schalkowski, Nikima Williams, yeah. Sydney Kim Dove, Donald Payne, and Val Hoyle. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly with all these folks uh, on this letter that they put out. Um, I think it is very important that we continue on looking at the science um, and nothing else and I would love transparency on what evidence that these guys have when it comes to their decision on scheduling. This is scratching for high at Nine news.
2: Hello, feedback. Thing. Yeah, hi, dude. I was hearing voices. Yeah, I'm not Drop sure where up. that feedback is coming from, but the feedback um, is it, terrible. It's great. St. Germain's uh, vo-
0: uh, hearing voices as usual. Does anyone have an extra window that's open on their thing that's playing something in the background possibly? Mm-hmm. No, I've been muted, too. Yeah, man. Interesting.
2: Muted and refuted.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I think Nick Bradley's probably right. It's probably the Russians are finally coming through, and y'all are hearing my my instrumentation being tapped.
0: The Kremlin. Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 Me? yeah. 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 Um. All right, let's
1: <laughs> pretend that you did hear my story,
2: <laughs>
1: and we're going to talk about it.
2: Congress wants transparency who, who, on the who, who, descheduling
1: who, process. I, I so, think who, that makes were, sense.
2: Was it a bipartisan group that that were demanding transparency on the yeah. scheduling?
1: What do you want? What? Who were was were a bipartisan group? Yes, it? there are Republicans and Democrats on there. I
2: What's think, the I count? Think every, yeah, I, I think everybody. This is uh, more than a dozen, but uh, I think everybody should get there down. There were 16. More transparency. Yep.
0: 16, 16 members of Congress. How many Republicans? How many Democrats? Gretchen. What's the breakdown? We got... Uh, all right, we got oh, one, Republican.
2: one Republican. All right. All right. All right. We got one, it's a bipartisan one drop rule. Bi- bipartisan. <laughs> one drop rule for bipartisan. That's all it takes for
1: bipartisanship. <laughs> you know,
5: I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We need more transparency, obviously, with everything in government, but for this one, you know, everybody screams, they always scream. We need more testing. We need more research. Show me the research that made you put this on the schedule one list because there, there's none there and Show us some transparency now, Biden. Good point, so got.
2: Yes, it's a very and everything good point. that government does should be transparent. Yes. If our tax dollars are going into it, it should be transparent. We shouldn't have to like find out about how they fucked us over decades later when everybody's already dead, broke, and or both. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, like, open up the books, yep. straight up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More yeah. Republicans can get down with this too. I, I'm 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 all for
0: this. I mean, because you already know that the Biden administration is going to screw something up some way or another. So I'm glad that it's the majority of Democrats that are asking for transparency, too, just because they already know that
2: he's probably going to screw this up. I mean, <laughs> it would be the same one that if the if the if the shoes on the other foot it would be the same exact shit. And, you know, no, it. Wouldn't stop it. No, Joe Biden dang. got the cost of insulin dropped no.
4: to thirty five bucks,
2: bucks a month. Oh. He did it without
4: Congress. Great, great for Joe Biden. Great for everybody who has diabetes and is yeah, at risk of losing their limbs. Hundred percent. Okay, well,
1: Joe Biden also threw a lot of people in jail in the nineties.
0: Oh, i am not excusing
4: him. That. Hey, I, I even but shouted out Donald Biden. Trump when like he was right about stuff.
0: Wagon, Matthew.
4: Donald Trump yeah. signed that order to get out of out of Afghanistan, and that was a good move, man. Even a even a broken right. clock could be right twice a day, right? So, Joe um, Biden. Nah, don't be afraid to call out the good things people do, man. When you call it the good and the bad, it makes you transparent, right. and then people can believe what you say. If they see that you got a T-shirt on for one of the sides, then you're just a bullshit cheerleader, and we know exactly where you stack up. I don't even have to ask you for your opinion. Oh, you got a red shirt on. That's your opinion. Cool. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Freedom of thought. You know, I stay with the
2: purple. I stay with the purple.
0: Uh-huh. A little bit right. green. We got. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be back. With
2: Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. you are accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com.
0: The thoughts and opinions in general overall shade thrown a high at nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship, and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expressions on any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you, and you probably voted for Joe Biden. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.shop SHOP to see why our terps don't lie.
2: You with us, Rico? Yes. Yes. Immortal cannabis wizards made cameos throughout history at some of the most notable moments known to mankind. But currently, he co-hosts the What's Good podcast drawing from over thirty years of global cultivation, marketing, and sales expertise to drop timeless knowledge. On the Globally Clueless Asses. Y'all know who it is. Come to the stage next. The Count himself, Matthew St. Germain.
4: Thank you, Rico. Happy Monday, everybody. And here's my mind today uh, from High Times. A study uh, shows that cannabis has been linked with higher quality of life in chronic illness patients. A new study out of Great Britain suggests that medical cannabis may lead to improvements in health-related quality of life among patients suffering from chronic illness. The study, published in the Expert Review of Clinical Pharmacology, analyzed nearly 3,000 patients who were enrolled in the United Kingdom Medical Cannabis Registry. They wrote that the study suggests that cannabis-based medicinal products are associated with an improvement in health-related quality of life in UK patients with chronic diseases. Also, the treatment was tolerated well by most participants, but adverse events were more common in female and cannabis-naive patients. This observational study suggests that initiating treatment with these products is associated with an improvement in general health-related quality of life, as well as sleep and anxiety-specific symptoms for up to 12 months in patients with chronic illness. Most patients tolerated the treatment well. However, the risk of adverse events should be considered before initiating cannabis treatment. Uh, medical cannabis was legalized in the United Kingdom in 2018, but it can only be prescribed when uh, other licensed medications have failed to produce an adequate response. The limitation was the impetus for the researchers to conduct this study. And they say that since 2018, cannabis-based medicinal products can be prescribed in the UK by specialist doctors for chronic illnesses where there has been insufficient response, uh, response to licensed medications. However, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence currently only, only recommends these CBMPs for intractable chemotherapy-induced nausea and vom- vomiting, spasticity or seizures in adults with multiple sclerosis, and severe treatment-resistant epilepsy in Lennox, Gaustet, and Dravet syndromes. Uh, The reason for these narrow recommendations is the current evidence is of limited or low quality. They say these findings mesh with another study published in January that found a growing number of patients across the United States are turning to cannabis to treat their chronic pain. That study from the researchers at the university of Michigan found that 31% of adults with chronic pain reported having used cannabis to manage their pain. 25% reported using cannabis to manage their chronic pain in the past 12 months and 23 in the past 30 days. And more than half of adults who use cannabis to manage their chronic pain reported that use of cannabis led them to decrease use of prescription opioid, prescription non-opioid, and over-the-counter pain medications, and less than 1% reported that use of cannabis increased their use of these medications. <coughs> Most persons who use cannabis as a treatment for chronic pain report substituting cannabis in place of other pain medications, and a high degree of substitution uh, of opioids and non-opioid treatment emphasizes the importance of research to clarify the effectiveness and potential adverse consequences for cannabis of cannabis for qu- chronic pain, the researchers wrote. Uh, this is Matthew St. Germain stumbling through the Hyatt Night News on Monday. Uh, I'd love to hear more uh, evidence and news of cannabis as the healing of the nations. What do you guys think?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I like this story, Matthew. I think this is fantastic news for people that are that, that suffer from chronic illness.
4: Yeah. Me too. I mean,
0: now are are we sure are we sure that they're not just being <clears throat> stoners and just saying it's a higher quality of life because they're getting higher? Or are they actually experiencing a true higher quality of life?
4: Well, I mean this is science. So I'm gonna have to believe that it's true. <laughs> I mean I mean there's a lot of science that our government puts out that's not true. I get you. I get you yeah yeah. Um, okay. I see it, you know, I, I see people in my own life who have, have all types of, of illnesses and, and use cannabis instead of opioids, and it doesn't completely blunt the pain, but it does, it just allows you to, to be with your pain differently, and, and anything people can do to get off of opioid medications I think is great, personally.
2: Um, um, uh, count, uh, what are your thoughts on the whole placebo effect thing, that um, uh, all these studies are coming out saying that it's, it, it's nothing more than placebo effect. You know, you're, well, you're smoking weed when you have pain and if your pain goes away, it's just because you think that it, it, it takes your pain away.
4: If it works, it works. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's really interesting to see that when they test a lot of new medicines against the placebos, oftentimes the placebos will be outperforming these medicines. They're even they're even trying to legalize. Uh, okay. Our minds are incredibly powerful. Our minds and our bodies are linked. You know, we're, we're basically a powerful uh, hologram made of energy. So there are ways that we can hack into and and control our nervous systems, etc. And one of the things that uh, psychedelics do is they give you, uh, and cannabis, they give you the ability to see these states so that you can work towards them in your daily life through meditation, breath work, and other modalities.
2: I think it further support. I think it further supports a uh, um, simulation theory. Yeah, me too. I Go mean, for it, Stone.
5: I was just gonna say, man, my dad passed in 2012 of cancer, and he had extreme pain going on, and you know the. He, he they they give him the lot whatever for for the, the really bad moments but you know that would that would knock him out and it was back before california lowered the the limit on the on edibles we'd get those chocolate bars allegedly sent to texas mm-hmm. and uh the, <laughs> the high dose of chocolate bars and that was the only thing that would help him relieve his pain and still be able to you know talk to us and function and not just be knocked out in the bed so fuck no, placebo It's 100 percent worse it's
2: always worked for me
0: Todd you're out there in Las Vegas Do you think that, That the strippers are experiencing A higher quality of life since we've had legalization In Nevada
4: Dancers Less
2: bruises
0: Todd are you with us Todd Todd Oh man Poor Todd Oh, dude, those dabs are real, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Todd oh, is in the man. box right now. <laughs> is, oh man, Todd. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man.
2: Uh, hold on, Alex. Beck, <clears throat> No relation, Jason. Right? No relation. Alex, he's, he's just hey, he fortunate
0: enough to have the best last name in the world.
2: Yes. Okay. He says so. <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, he's got NFL players who've been beat to hell. Uh, that will verify it is no placebo they went from 20 to 40 uh, percocet uh, to cannabis oil no more perks facts and i 100 percent resonate with that alex like big ups you for saying that like 100 1,000 1 million percent on that and, and, and the big one now is like toradol and a lot of my homeboys it will take that shit and they don't feel a damn thing and they just fuck up their body to no end so like i Big shout out to cannabis for actually helping folks, and, um, um, and big thanks to the teams that are actually looking and uh, turning the other way when it comes to THC testing. Without a doubt, without a doubt. There we go.
3: Yes, I do think these strippers are uh, are in, yeah, are enjoying a better quality of life for sure.
2: Amazing. I just really, really like it when, when Todd, you know, the, the way that you pronounce. Strippers, I think everybody
3: enjoys a better quality of life with cannabis. <laughs> Quite honestly. I'm with
0: that. Well, that's what this story, that's what this study is, 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 is stating. And so I just, I just wanted to make sure
3: that, you know, I mean, Vegas, yourself, Jason? Oh Have- uh, yeah. And you know, is, you know, even, uh, even the fl- uh, placebo effect, even if that works, who cares? Right. right. Even if, uh, you know, anything that makes somebody feel better, um, you know, should be okay. Right. So, 100%. you know, I mean, if anyone who hasn't smoked cannabis and, um, then does it for the first time. I mean, you know, they feel that, that relief of pain. I've seen it happen. And uh, I know lots and lots and lots of patients um, who rely on it, you know, every single day. So, you know, like I said, even if the placebo effect
2: uh, is working, then it's working, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Right. It's working for absolutely everybody <laughs> on any kind of FDA approved Alzheimer drugs, because none of them, None of them. Yeah, I'm clearly having yeah. some internet issues here. I don't know if you None guys can hear either.
3: me or see me or, <laughs> or anything. Just we like, hear uh, you just talking uh, here, and you get.
2: on that. He's on the astral plane. <laughs> he's, he's tuned in from another dimension.
0: Oh yeah, we gotta. We, don't we have a quick commercial coming up? Let's run that commercial. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh yes, that's right. Coming up next, we have the man, the myth, the legend. Oh yeah, the the amazing Delta Eight smoker <laughs> who loves to admit to to deny any Delta Eight entering his gastrointestinal system. That's right. It is Stone Slade, the man who gets stoned off of weed that he doesn't know necessarily where it comes from because he lives in the great red state of Texas. Oh, yeah. He's been hitting the high road, and that is the man, Stone Slade. With that
5: introduction, it sounds like you are preparing for a uh, career at Fox News with uh, some fake news. Anyway, to my story today comes from MJ Moment. Actually, it was written by – we pulled it from Rebecca Rivas at Missouri Independent – The show me state of Missouri legalized medical cannabis in 2018 and just this past November, voters of the state spoke and legalized adult use. So far, it's been great news for Missourians and has the neighboring state of Kansas with the Kansas police on edge, ready to enforce some good old prohibition blues on anybody crossing the state line that divides Kansas city between the two states. Well, now a new bill discussed last Thursday, may be giving Missouri police reasons to mess with law abiding cannabis consumers. Representative Ken Hayden, a Republican from the Missouri House of Representatives but some lives in Mexico full time, I'm not exactly sure how that works, wants to introduce a bill that's meant to mirror Illinois' open container law for having cannabis in vehicles, meaning all cannabis products in your vehicle would be required to be kept in odor proof and child proof containers. Hayden said, I don't claim to be an expert on marijuana, I've never inhaled, which was met with laughs and members of the House Crime Prevention and, and Public Safety Committee Hayden says uh, the idea for the legislation came from his local sheriffs who expressed frustration about enforcing the driving while intoxicated provisions under the 38-page constitutional amendment. People can't consume marijuana while driving a vehicle or while riding in a vehicle under Amendment 3. However, officers can't use smelling marijuana as a basis for detention, search, or arrest. Testifying in, uh, in favor of the bill, County Sheriff Matt Aller said, Amendment 3 specifically prohibits even passengers from smoking marijuana in the car. However, it lays out nothing as far as how we can deal with that. There's no process and nobody knows. He also called Amendment 3 a 38-page mess that doesn't address public safety or have to deal with consuming marijuana on public roadways. My family drives up and down the road each day. He said, the last thing I want is for them to get hit by an intoxicated driver. Several members of the committee, including a representative from McCann Trade, which is an association for cannabis professionals, said they do support the intent of the bill, but said they think an open container law wouldn't get would wouldn't get to the heart of the concerns, which is preventing both intoxicated drivers and child poisoning. Now, here's the big kicker. Missouri doesn't even have an open container law for alcohol. Yes, the same alcohol that's responsible for 10,000 fatalities on the road each year in America, the same alcohol that's account uh, counts for uh, over 140,000 alcohol-related deaths each year in America, and it's only a crime to show me state if you actually show the officer that you're drinking in the car. Representative Jeff Myers, who served as a Missouri Highway Patrol trooper for almost 30 years, said he thinks an open container law for cannabis would be more complicated than alcohol, he said, because the products are packaged in so many different ways. On the enforcement side is how I look at it, Myers said, it's going to be pretty difficult to be able to drill down uh, what is an open container. One man, Kevin Hurdle, testified that he's worried that this the legislators are attempting to walk back Amendment three. First, it starts off as a misdemeanor. He said, then it's going to get more strict. I'm just looking at this as as an encroachment, whereas one day maybe they come back and say, let's make marijuana illegal again. Representative Bill Allen of Kansas City doesn't think that Hurdle would be alone in that fear. He said voters made their choice and to see and would see this as legislators trying to unsurf that decision. Maybe let's give it some time, Alan said, and if it does appear to be a problem, then we can come up with a mutable solution. Alan then added to Hayden, I also just wanted to mention that if you do inhale, it's a whole lot better. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. Come on, Missourians, you just legalized this amazing plant. If you're really worried, let's look at some of these other studies from other states where they found that insurance premiums actually dropped by $22 on, uh, a year per, on average after states enacted legalization. And the study authors think that that may have something to do with reduced drunk driving in those states, signaling possibly a substitution effect where people are switching from alcohol to cannabis. So can we just let the dust settle before you already start thinking about how to criminalize it again so soon? I'm Stone Slade reporting for the Hyatt 9 News Hour.
0: Yeah, you know, funny you say that, uh, Stone, because uh, Nick in the chat, he said, you know, California has open container laws, too, that pertain to cannabis just like they do alcohol, and if you're driving with cannabis in your vehicle, it should be in your trunk or as far away from the driver as humanly possible.
4: I think that's just stupid, personally. (laughs) Do the cops up here in Santa Rosa, the the bike cops, when it's nice out, they ride right in your blind spot and look in your car. I've had and them do that over in like Park La Brea. Yeah. So they look for people texting, but they're also looking. at yeah. I know people who've gotten yeah. busted because the cops saw puffco in their cup holder and gave them an open container ticket. So, oh, so the, the pop- reason I mentioned that oh. is this: you go buy a go buy like a big gulp cup and cut the bottom quarter out of it, and then put it in your cup holder, and then you can put your puffco in your cup holder, and it just looks like you got an empty drink cup.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's some that's some like high school shit, but I'm I'm all for it. <laughs>
0: I'm, 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 I mean, I mean, technically, you know, those cups
4: are free. You just walk in and just walk out with a cup. They're, they yeah. don't charge for those. They charge for the, what you put inside. But in general, it's good to have an open container law, and not have people smoking hella weed, because not everybody. I think open container
0: laws are ridiculous. I think people should just not drive intoxicated, and that and that should be that. And yeah. and the, the fact that 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 cops use these open container laws to get people uh booked on other types of uh charges and whatnot, I think is a a overreach. Of their yeah. digital powers
5: I Texas Texas has an open container law just because I was looking all this shit up when I was was researching this article uh, we have an open, have had one for a long time and I think we're like third as far as like worst is worse for drunk driving in, in our state so it doesn't seem I, to be working here
0: California I don't think we got ours until the late 80s or 90s because I remember Riding home from school in the back of pickup trucks with tons of beer cans in the back of the of the pickup truck, and that was in the Bay Area in California, and that's not not even in a redneck town.
4: I'll <laughs> hail the seventies, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that was the eighties,
4: bro. That was the 80s. that was the eighties.
2: Uh, this, this is all boomer talk here. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I mean,
0: <laughs> good old days. Todd Todd Todd, are your is your audio working any better for us? Like I, I know out in Vegas I uh, don't I think, think so contain oh there we whoa way better. Look at yeah. that. Hey what, whatever Todd, um, got. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah I think
3: <laughs> uh, you, you believe
0: God, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: you know, I think the issue with, uh, the whole open container, you know, shit is that some people okay when they're right and i i know some of you on this podcast probably can and there's no there's no no, no way for them to really um test whether or not you have you know or you're impaired by cannabis unless you take like a you know one of those sobriety tests you know in the back of the car um so i agree i think it's a little overreach for cops peeking in your car seeing if you have an open container now i have this uh this uh, vapor cup, right? So this is a, a, literally a, a vape pen that is shaped like a cup. Nice. So oh. uh, you never get busted with one of these.
0: <laughs> oh man, I feel like these are like these devices now are, are kind of mimicking. Do you remember back in the days when you could get a soda can and it would the, the bottom of it would unscrew and you could stuff some stuff in there? Yeah. Or they have like yeah, the shaded sure. cream cans and could stick stuff in those this this is basically what what, what it's yeah. becoming to for the development of uh, consumption
3: devices yeah that's true you know Another it's favorite. funny because this kind of looks like a straw but that's where your weed is right you pump it put it in there and looks like you're sipping on a starbucks yeah. cup
2: yep
0: <laughs> got your got your yeti in place
2: yeah we're giving the old bait and that's switch.
0: right <laughs> mm-hmm all right thank you so much for that stone that was an amazing little story gretchen absolutely you know you know they have open container laws in dc right yeah i'm surprised that they do why because because usually you know people that make the laws don't want to have to abide by them so you know what i mean why would they make that law
2: Oh, is it gonna, who, whose jurisdiction is it is it a federal jurisdiction or is it is it is it the non-state of dc <laughs>
1: well they uh, did keep in place the covid law where you can uh take uh alcoholic drinks out with you oh that's cool bars that's and cool. restaurants
0: go no, no cups oh, oh so, wow. like, so like in Washington, cool. dc is like new
2: orleans now huh okay
0: mm-hmm. now, now you can walk out of uh, out of uh what is it bell, bell feathers is it bird feathers? Yeah, feathers. Yeah. Full feathers, yeah. feathers. feathers. Yeah. With your little open <sighs> container rocking back to the hill. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, that's right I up. don't know about <laughs> that. That's federal <laughs> land. So I, it could be a little different. But
2: we, we have one more story. So let's just hop into it. So he is the co founder of. The Smuggleverse, and it's perhaps exactly where he's tuning in with us today from. A 30-year media (laughs) producer, director, editor, and did 13 hard years as a C-suite executive in the cannabis industry. Up next, you know who it is, the president and founder at DigiPath Labs, Mr. Todd Dankin. And the crowd goes wild.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, this from the Orlando Weekly. A Florida House panel unanimous, unanimously signed off on a proposal that would allow doctors to renew patients' medical marijuana approvals using telehealth. Bill sponsor Spencer Roach, nice name, uh, he who is a Republican from for, uh, North Fort Myers, told the House Healthcare Regulation Subcommittee that the bill HB 387 would treat medical marijuana like any other medicine. Imagine that. Uh, More than 2,500 doctors have undergone training that allows them to order medical marijuana for patients, and voters approved a 2016 constitutional amendment that broadly authorized medical marijuana, and nearly 800,000 patients have been certified for the treatment. Under current law, doctors must conduct a physical examination of a patient while physically present in the same room as the patient before ordering a medical marijuana treatment. Governor Ron DeSantis temporarily suspended the face-to-face requirement because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but only for patients who were renewing medical marijuana certifications with the same doctors they had seen previously. The executive order expired in mid-2021, but some practitioners are frustrated about doctors who are still continuing to use telehealth for recertifications and even initial visits. Dr. Barry Gordon, who is in Venice, Florida, and is a Venice-based physician, he specializes in medical marijuana care and told the House panel that using telehealth for recertifications would benefit some of the sickest Floridians. It's a cost savings for patients, it's safe for patients, and it's critical, Gordon said, you have to remember that our patients are sometimes the most debilitated and weakest of the patients here in Florida. The measure would also allow the Department of Health to suspend a physician from being able to order medical marijuana for up to two years if he or she provides, advertises, or markets telehealth services prior to July first, 2023, so just a couple of months away. Currently, the state agency must direct complaints about medical marijuana Doctors, to its Division of Medical Quality Assurance, which Roach said is a very long process. The change, Roach added, would add a necessary and immediate tool to help the department when physicians break rules. Senator Jason Broder, who is also a Republican from Sanford, Florida, has filed a similar bill for consideration during the 60-day legislative session that began on Tuesday. I think the best part of this article is that um, uh, is that this telehealth you know mandate would treat medical marijuana like any other medicine the way it should be what do you guys think I think there's a huge
0: huge win and I'm all for this telehealth type of type of uh, medical care especially when it comes to doctors recommendations yeah all in for, in in favor of it all the way. Yeah. yeah,
3: anything is better than uh, sitting in the waiting room, waiting for your time, right, and then waiting for your doctor for an hour, and then going in the room and waiting another 45 minutes just to get seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think telehealth is a huge uh, win uh, for cannabis patients and patients everywhere.
2: I think back when, uh, what was the company that, uh, um, uh, that WebMD bought uh, that was doing medical licenses here? I forget what it was here in uh, California, but um, back when I did have a medical mm. card I did it all through telehealth. I mean, yeah, I, did,
0: I, I, did, I did. I did some of the very first telehealth. But go go ahead, Gretchen, and I'll tell my story. Well, after, you
1: know. well, I was just going to say that I'm not a fan of telehealth, uh, which I'm sure is not going to make people happy. Of course, you're happy.
0: Not. of, course, you're of not. course,
1: I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but I did. I did. Uh, I was one of the folks who got to self, um, what call it, self declare uh, DC for a medical card. I think that's a little better. What I disagree when it comes to telehealth um, is cause this past year I actually had an issue and was, uh, they took care of it through telehealth and less than a week later I was in the hospital cause they completely messed it up, misdiagnosed it, did not give me the right medicine, uh, because nobody saw me, examined me, didn't do it the right thing at all. Um, and made my life a lot trickier because doctors didn't take the time to actually see me. Now, when it comes to like, saying, all right, I have chronic pain. If you have a doctor who knows that you've been through lots of surgeries, this or that, whatever your ailments are. Sure. I have no issue with the telehealth, but if it's a new person looking for a certain, you know, recommendation or things that they need, I think you need to see a doctor in person because doctors can't help you. I I don't buy that over a video camera. They suck. I think it
2: just, I I think it it just depends Because I've had some really, really shitty doctors I saw in person, and they didn't even know what the fuck that they were talking about and sent my ass to the hospital, too. I've been
0: overdosed on pharmaceutical medication by doctors that I was actually seeing in person. So I, I get your point. I get your point, Gretchen. And, 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 and I halfway do agree with it because it's like if you're giving yourself a self-exam, like you're feeling for a bump or something like that, then, yeah, you should have a doctor actually feeling for that or, you know what I'm saying, looking for whatever is whatever is supposed to be somewhere. But for something as simple as a doctor's recommendation for cannabis, uh, telemedicine is definitely the way to go in a much more effective way for, for, the, for the patient and for the doctor.
3: I don't 100%. feel 100% like and this was really about the the renewal of your your medical card, right? So, you've already been approved, you've already seen the doctor. It's just about the renewal of your medical card and they're using telehealth in order to do that.
0: Yeah, a lot of these are pretty simple things like, hey, what changed from this year to last year and like you don't really a lot a lot of times you don't have nothing to say. Like everything's going great. Thanks so much.
5: I feel like too all the requirements to get a cannabis to, to get a cannabis recommendation don't require a, a physical interaction with you and the doctor. The doctor isn't like, like you said, not looking for a bump or anything like that. It's something that if PTSD, you don't need to see me in person to, to talk about that. And, you know, if it's, if it's another, uh, another you know, disease or something like that, you've already had that diagnosis. They know you have that. They don't need to see you physically to be able to prescribe or, you know, recommend cannabis to you. So as far as telehealth and, and cannabis goes, I think they go hand
0: in hand. I don't, I don't see it and need to not have that. Yeah. I, I, I ran, uh, I had a doctor's office in an apartment upstairs from my very first dispensary back in the days in San Francisco. And we ran some of the uh, telemedicine, the very first ones that ever happened when it comes to medical cannabis in the country um, out, out of, out of that apartment. And I basically, this was under the Bush administration when, uh, uh, George Jr. was the president, and he had campaigned that he was going to close down all medical cannabis dispensaries. There's probably only about 15 of us at the time in the entire state. And uh, my doctor, the doctor that I had that to do the re- re- recommendations, moved to New Zealand because he was in fear that he would get prosecuted as well for writing recommendations. And so, therefore, he moved to New Zealand. We're doing doing the webcams. Out of the thing, even I think this was even with like dial-up internet back in the
2: day. Like this was insane. You, you, you're the you're, you're the originators of Cam Soda, huh? No. Anyways, no, no, no but we would say Cam, <laughs> I am. Let's keep it rocking here. So thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of high at nine news. You can always catch us weekdays, 9am Pacific and high noon on the East coast. Big shout out to our live audience members out there on the, all of our online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines, of chaos also known as the developing cannabis industry to our vetted industry correspondent team, tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation and to our production team. We had a little bit of a struggle today, but we still love you all. Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and the wonderful Jaja Simone. It is not your fault. It is our fault internet sucks over here internet sucks in nevada internet sucks everywhere and uh, elon musk is a liar to our haters out there bless your hearts you fuel the fire that burns deep within our souls and motivates us to go harder every damn day i hope you never find peace and and continue to spread hatred so we can continue to spread nothing but love all over your faces consensually and finally cannabis sativa l the reason that the hyatt nine news team shows up to read these headlines daily we shall forever be in your in debt to your greatness and you are the woman that runs all of our lives. It is Monday, February thirteenth, twenty twenty three. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. We hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Regal to meet the dopest dad in the street. And um before we do that, man, Todd Dankins, you got a shout out for anybody today, man.
3: Yes, I do. I have a shout out for uh, all my folks at the Smuggleverse. Check it out. Uh, if you're looking for some digital weed, uh, go ahead and check out the smuggleverse.com. It's just smuggleverse.com. And, uh, you know, if you're in Nevada and you want to see a real live, uh, cannabis testing lab, you know, hit us up at DigiPath labs and, uh, we'll take you through the process of what happens when cannabis is tested. Um, you know, thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, you know, always a pleasure. Hey, uh, apologies for my internet, uh, my shitty internet here, but I'll get that fixed for tomorrow and uh, look forward to seeing you guys all tomorrow.
2: You know, you all the labs, here Todd said all the other labs are pay to play. All the land <laughs> you guys have out there, Todd, you guys should get the other labs, not H&M, us
0: driving on weed. Yeah, run, Bye, guys. guys. What was that? Running at him.